0: giving. So everybody look at your neighbor, just point at him and just say, you better learn to like giving. Come on. You better learn to like giving. And we've been having a little bit of fun with this, and yet at the same time, man, we have learned that it is possible actually to learn to like giving. Now, that sounds kind of funny, I know, and let's just be honest. I mean, some of you, even as you heard the title of the series, you were going, wait a second, I don't like giving, right? And this church wants me to give, and they even want me to like it? I'm not sure. These people are crazy. I don't know what's going on at this church. And yet I do believe that really as Christians, that we ought to not just like giving, that we ought to actually learn to love giving, that it really ought to be a part of who we are and how we flow as the body of Christ. In fact, this is really kind of who we are here at LifeGate Church. It's the reason we're doing this series is because it really is a part of our vision here. One of our core values, as you see on the wall as you come in there, is the value of generosity. So everybody say, generosity generosity and this is what we say around here is that giving is not just something that we do but generous is who we are it's who we're striving to become that we would become a people that God would call us to be that we would be a people who are truly generous and so when it comes to time to give or when there's a message series on giving or when there's a special offering or when it's the tithe challenge or any of those kind of things it wouldn't be like we'd go oh he's talking about that again but instead we would go amen hallelujah that is awesome Because we like giving. That's who we are as a people and as a church and what we are striving to do and become. In fact, I think this is what Paul is talking about in this passage that's kind of been our driving force passage for this entire series. We're going to look at it again today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse number seven, and why don't we do this? Let's read it out loud together, okay? So notice I said read it aloud, not a soft. So you're going to say it loud as we read it together on the count of three. Verse number seven, one, two, three. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That's what we're talking about in this series, that we're going to learn to be cheerful givers that we're going to learn to give we're going to learn to like giving that is going to be a part of the passion and part of who we truly are deep down inside and we're giving you opportunities to do that in this month in fact as we head into this is now november only a couple of weeks away from thanksgiving and then right after that christmas we're giving you an opportunity to really be generous and really give you saw on the video today that next sunday everybody say next sunday next Sunday. You got to remember that next Sunday, what we're doing is we're bringing our one day offering to feed people around the world. And what we're challenging you to do is just figure out what's one day's salary for you. What would that be? And then bring that amount. And your one day can actually transform someone's every day. As you saw on the video there, we're going to be given to people around the world that don't have food on their table just before we get ready to eat all the turkey and dressing and all the stuff we're going to eat on Thanksgiving. We're going to remember that God has blessed us and we're going to be generous. And we're learning just how to do this, like how to be generous. And here's what we're going to talk about today. That if we're going to be generous people, then how many would agree with me that generosity actually ought to be a regular part of our lives? That if we really are generous, that generosity shouldn't just be something that we do every once in a while or that we do at Thanksgiving time or at Christmas time, but we actually ought to plan it into our lives, that it actually ought to be something that becomes a regular part of our routine. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I want to start with this. If you're taking notes, write these three things down. Three ways that I see that most Christians or that most people give the first one is this is that most people here's how we give is we give spontaneously Now, how many have ever done this before? Like you see a need, you weren't planning to give anything. It wasn't like you, it wasn't like you were thinking I'm going to give that, but then there's a need. And so just kind of spontaneously, you want to do something. Everybody ever do that, done that before? Like, it's like you go to the store and you're getting groceries or whatever. And you see this time of year, the guy out there with the, with the Santa Claus hat and he's ringing the bell and you weren't planning on giving anything, but you're like, you know, Hey, I could throw a couple bucks in there. Right. And what is that? Spontaneous. Like you see a homeless person and you know, you're sitting at the stoplight and you don't want to look over there, but then you look over there and then it grabs your heart and you're like, man, I got to do something. So you roll down the window and you are not planning to do anything, but you just, you you spontaneously gave, or maybe there's a special offering and something, you know, touches your heart and you just kind of spontaneously give towards that. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that kind of giving. Okay. Actually, I believe that sometimes even God uses that kind of giving that sometimes, you know, God will put it on our hearts to actually give something and we weren't planning on it, but man, he puts that on our hearts and we can be generous. Nothing wrong with that kind of giving. There's only one problem with that kind of giving. And that is this, that sometimes we are spontaneously drawn towards giving that God emotionally draws us towards something. And we want to give something, but we don't have anything to give. Have you ever been there before, right? You're like, man, I would give something to help that homeless person, or I would give in that offering, or I would do something, but I don't have anything to give, and so spontaneous giving is a good kind of giving, and yet it's not the best kind of giving or the most biblical, actually, kind of giving. The second kind of giving that I see a lot of times is is this, is that some people give what I call giving sporadically. In fact, some people, this is how we kind of give, is like, okay, I'll give a little bit here and there, right? It's like, you know, as long as things are going good and my finances are good, then I might, you know, I throw a little bit in the offering or I might give a little bit over here. And maybe I'll even try that tithe challenge thing. And so I tithe for a week or a couple weeks or a month or a couple months, or maybe it's every other month or every other week or just every once in a while, I kind of, and it's kind of like this, it's kind of a sporadic kind of a thing. Like when I get inspired to give, then I give, and, and there is actually something wrong with that kind of giving, because here's the deal. If generous is who we are, shouldn't it actually be a part of what we do all the time, not just some of the times, right? So some people give spontaneously. Some people give sporadically. Number three, though, and I see this sometimes, some of you may have done it before, is this, is some people kind of give sparingly, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to give, but I'm going to give very much because I got to make sure there's enough left for me when the whole thing is over. In fact, a lot of times it comes down to a trust issue. It comes down to, you know, I'm not sure if I really trust God that if I give big or if I give generously, that God will actually bless me and provide for me and take care of all my needs. So I might give a little bit, but it's kind of, it's kind of sparingly because I'm afraid there won't be enough for me. So I'll give you a little bit, but I got to make sure and hang on to some for me. In fact, the Bible actually even, talks about this kind of giving in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Paul tells us that we need to remember this. Everybody say, remember this. It's important. Remember this, that whoever sows, there's the word, sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will then also reap what? Everybody say it aloud. We'll reap Generously. So the Bible actually makes this comparison and says that hey, there is actually an opposite to generous, and the opposite of generous is sparing. Is sparingly. The opposite to giving generously is to give sparingly. And here's the deal that this is where a lot of us really are is that we give a little bit, but we're kind of hanging on to more for ourselves. And God says, no, I want you to be generous. And also he says, hey, if you will be generous, then I can actually be generous with you. How many of you want God to be generous with you, right? And so here's where it starts. And so a lot of us, here's the way that we give. We either give spontaneously. Hey, I just saw something, I'll do that. The problem is that with that is that sometimes we want to give and we don't have anything. Some of us give kind of sparingly or kind of sporadically. But I don't believe that that is the best way for us to give. But I do believe that the scripture actually teaches us the best way for us to give. And that is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. That as followers of Christ, we are actually called to give systematically. So everybody say systematically. You got to make the S like really long. Systematically. We're called to give systematically, okay? And some of you go, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I give systematically? I don't really know how to be systematic in my giving. Well, there is good news. How many are glad for good news? There is good news today. The good news today is this, is that God actually gives us a plan in his word for systematic giving. You know what it's called? You ready for this? I don't know if y'all are ready for this. You ready for this? It's called tithing. Now, I know, I said it, the T word. The one that nobody really likes to hear. It's the, it's the kind of message that you don't really want to announce that you're going to preach a message like this because people go, hey, I think I'll skip that one because I'm not really sure I want to hear about that one. And yet, you know what tithing really is? Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you aren't. Let me just kind of explain it. The scripture teaches us that we should take a tithe, which that word tithe actually means 10% or it actually means literally one tenth. The scripture teaches us that we actually should take one tenth of all of our income and we should set it aside so that we can so that we can give it to God and here's what it is it's a systematic way to give it's actually planning for generosity Tithing is saying, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just give you know, spontaneously like, hey, I wasn't planned on it, and, I, and I'm going to go ahead and give something. And I, or I'm not going to just give sporadically like every once in a while I'm going to do it, or even sparingly. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually plan out my generosity. I'm actually going to make a systematic approach to being able to be generous, And I know some of you are here today and you're going, you know, I really do want to be more generous, Pastor. Like, I do agree with the message that we've been preaching, but I don't know how to do it. Because, Pastor, you don't know that I got this bill and this bill and this bill. And I've got all of these things that are adding up and all this financial pressure. And I hear you talking about giving and being generous. And it resonates with my heart. But then I go back and I look at my pocketbook and I look at my, at my, uh, my budget. And I go, I don't know how to do it. And this is how you do it. You actually systematically plan giving into every part of your life, into your budget. It's called tithing. You take the first 10% and you set it aside and you give it to God. Now, some of you, I know I've had it all day. I've had blank stares from some people all day. Like, are you serious? Really? You want me to take 10%? Why in the world would I do that? Well, let's just talk about it for just a second here today. And I want us to look at some scripture and talk about why we should tithe, why we should set up a systematic plan For generosity in our life. The first thing is this. If you're going to take notes, we're going to do four things here today. The first thing is this, is the reason we should tithe is that tithing actually shows that God is first in our life. Here's the deal, guys. I know when we talk about something like this, you can get the reputation for, hey, that church, all they talk about is money and all they want is my money and all God wants is my money. And let me just tell you something today. You ready for this? God doesn't want your money. Guess what? Everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them, God don't want your money. God don't want your money. And you know what? he don 't need your money like he already owns it all, right but i 'll tell you what God does want. You know what He really wants? He wants you, He wants your heart, He wants your love, He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be first in your life, He wants to be exclusive in your life. In fact, here's how I know this is that one day someone came up to Jesus, a scholar in the in the scripture and said, "Jesus, all these commandments that are in the Old Testament, tell us which one of these is the most important of all the commandments." And and let's see what what Jesus says is the most important of all the commandments. We see it in Matthew 22 and verse 37. He says, "This is what you should do. You should love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, for this is the first And the greatest commandment, Jesus says, here's what I want most from you is I want your love. And I don't want just your love. I want all of your love. I want relationship with you. I want to be number one in your life. In fact, if you go back to the Old Testament and you look at the Ten Commandments, what was the very first of the Ten Commandments? Have no other gods before me. What was that about? It was about relationship. It was about priority. It was about, it was about saying, God, I love you more than I love anything or anybody else in this world. You are number one. Now there's one problem with this. All right. one problem is this. There can only be one number one, right? There can only be one. There can't be two number ones. I know some of you go, we could have one A and one B, but you still have an A and a B, all right? I mean, you can't have two number ones. It's like, I mean, it drives me crazy that we give every kid a trophy. Oh, you just, you just, you know, you participate, so you get a trophy. No, no, somebody has to be the winner and somebody has to be the loser, right? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody needs to get first place and there's only one first place, right? And it's the same way with God. There's only one first place. And so here's the thing. The biggest issue for first place in our life, the biggest competition for first place in our life, whether we like it or not, is money. The thing that competes for our our heart and for our attention more than anything else in this world is money. And Jesus knew this. This is why he said this in, in the scripture, in the book of Matthew chapter six and verse 24. Look what he says. Nobody can serve two masters. There can't be two number ones. For you will either love the one and hate the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now he's saying, hey guys, there can't be two number ones. There's gonna only be one master. There's only gonna be one priority, one number one in your life. And if you try to have more than one, they're gonna compete against each other all the time. And one of them you're gonna love and one of them you're gonna despise. One of them you're going to devote yourself to and the other one you're going to not be devoted to. And he says, hey guys, just in case you didn't know specifically what I'm talking about, the very next Verse he goes, You can't serve both God and money. Says here's the thing that's gonna compete for your attention more than anything else is your finances, your money. And so God says, Hey why should you set aside the first 10% of your income? Why should you strategically plan this into your life? Because God knows that, there, that money and things and stuff is going to compete for your attention. So in order to make sure that God is number one in your life, you set aside that first 10% of your income and you do it in a systematic and a strategic way. In fact, we talked about it last week that wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So if you want God to have your heart, what do you do? You systematically set aside a part of your treasure and you give it to God because your heart's gonna follow your treasure. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. The proof of loving is giving. The proof of loving is giving. Isn't that true? How many parents, you know what I'm talking about? Because you love your children, what do you wanna do? You wanna give them stuff. In fact, you're gonna do it here in just a couple of weeks. You're gonna buy them stuff they don't need. And they're going to, I mean, they're going to play with it for about five seconds. And then they're going to spend more time playing with the box than the toy that you gave them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And you're going to spend money that you don't have to buy stuff that you don't need, that the kids don't need also that we can open it up on Sunday, on on Christmas morning. And why did you do that? Because you love your children. Because you love them, you want to give to them. And so the proof of loving is giving. Let's take it on to, to God. How did God prove that he loved us? We all know it. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son, whoever believed in him not perish but have everlasting life. The proof of loving is giving. How did Jesus prove that he loved us? He what? He gave himself to us and for us when he hung upon that cross. How do we prove that we love God and that he's number one in our life? The proof of loving is Giving So when we strategically set aside 10% of our income and give it to God, what we are doing is we are proving to God, God, you are number one in my life. I love you. And so now I'm going to obey your word by giving what you have asked me to give. Why do we tithe? We tithe because tithing shows that God is first, that he's number one, that we love him, that he's first in our life. Number two, why do we tithe? Why should we do this? Why should we set aside and set this up in a strategic way in our life, in a systematic way in our life. Number two is this, is because tithing will actually cause you to grow. Everybody say grow. grow. Tithing will cause you to grow. In fact, there's no, other, there's no other thing that I know of that will cause you to grow more rapidly than beginning to trust God with your finances. In fact, it's like discipleship on steroids, all right? I mean, this is the reason that we challenge you like this every single Sunday. You know why? Because I want you to grow, I want your faith to grow. I want you to grow in your walk with the Lord. And you know what? That's what God wants for you too. He wants you to grow. And so this is why he asked you to do this because here's what tithing does. Tithing tests our trust. Do I trust God that if I, that if I obey his word and give him 10% of what I have, even though I know that I got all these bills and all this other stuff over here, but I'm going to give it to him anyway. If I trust him in this way, then, then God's going to come through. And so tithing is this idea of going, God, I'm trusting that your way is better than my way. And then when you begin to step out in that, man, I'm telling you what, your faith will expand like never before. Cause in that moment when it's like, should I write my tithe check or should I pay my house payment? And you write the tithe check anyway, even though you You don't know if you're going to have enough to pay the house payment. How many know that will grow your faith? You'll have to depend on God a little bit when you're doing that, right? And so God wants us to step out and trust him. In fact, the scripture tells us that we can actually, in Malachi 3, that we can actually test him in this. Put it to the test and just see if God won't come through in your life. And I'm telling you, when you start testing God in these areas of your life, you're, man, you're going to grow. And you know what will happen? Letter A, if you're taking notes, when you begin to do this, here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin to see God's power at work in your life. And in, in, I mean, in a, in a way that is very tangible, you will see it. In fact, just yesterday, let me just tell you about what's happening right here, current in our church. Just yesterday, I got an email from my friend Donnie. Donnie says, hey, you know, Pastor, you've been talking about giving. You've been talking about tithing. I know you said last week you're going to talk about tithing this week, which wasn't very smart for me to do that because people were just like, hey, we'll just skip. But I know you say you're going to talk about tithing. And so I want to tell you about what's happening in my life. He said a few, a couple months ago, I was sitting right there in service. And I was wrestling with God. Even as you were preaching, I was wrestling with God about my tithe. And it wasn't about whether or not I should tithe. I'd already made that decision. We've been doing that for years. But, but what I was wrestling with was this fact that we've got some, some debt and some bills that we've been really working hard to try to pay it off. It was about $4,500 worth of debt. And so I'm looking at my tithe check and I'm going, should I tithe on the net or should I tithe on the gross? And he said, I'm wrestling with this because I'm going, if I tithe on the net, then that means I can keep a little bit more for me, right? But if I tithe on the gross, then that means I'm going to give a little bit more to God. And so he's like, I'm even looking in this. he said, I'm sorry, Pastor, but while you were preaching, I was looking at my phone, looking at some scriptures, trying to figure out, should I tithe on the net, tithe on the gross? I'm asking people and whatever. And he said, finally, it came to the place where I just kind of came to this place with God where I said, God, you know what? I don't know what the Bible says or what other people say, and it doesn't matter what other people are doing, net or gross. I'm going to tithe on the gross, just because God, I want you to have all of me. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hold anything back from what you have. And so he said that day, we wrote the tithe check. He said, you know, two weeks later. I actually closed on three major deals at work. He said these were deals that were actually the size of a deal that I only close on about once every other month. I'll close on one of these deals. But in two weeks, I closed on three of these deals. And did you know that the profit I made on that deal was almost exactly the amount that we were trying to pay off in debt? Come on. How many would say when that happens in your life, your faith's going to begin growing, right? When stuff like that starts to happen, you're going to begin going, hey, man, if I can trust God with with the gross instead of the net, maybe I can trust God to be more generous or I can trust God to step out in other areas of faith in my life. And this is what happens. And what happens is you see God's power at work. And what it does is it causes your heart. That's number. That's letter B. It causes your heart to grow. And your heart for people and your heart for God and your love for God and your love for his work and all of these things begin to grow inside of you as you trust God in this area. Why do we tithe? We tithe because it proves that God is number one in our life. We tithe because it causes us and our faith to begin to grow, our walk with God to begin to grow. Number three, write this one down. You're gonna like this one. If you hadn't liked the others, ones, you're gonna like this one, all right? Why do we, why do we tithe? Because tithing actually puts us In a position. Everybody say position. In a position to be able to receive God's blessings. Here's the deal. God wants to bless you. Everybody put your hand over your heart like this and say, God wants to bless me. Do you believe that? God wants to bless you. And God is blessing. Did you know some people think, well, I'm not being blessed, so that means maybe God is not blessing anymore. No, no, God's still blessing. He's still flowing his blessings down. If you are not being blessed, here's the problem, all right? If you're not being blessed... It's not because God is not blessing. It's only because you're not in a position to be able to receive that blessing. Let me illustrate it like this. How many of you like football? Come on, you like football? How many gonna watch some football later this afternoon? Cowboys, right? Gonna win, they're doing good. How many on Dak's side? How many Dak fans out there? How many Romo fans we got out there? Sounds like we got a house divided here. You watch football, right? And in football, there's, there are certain plays in football where the quarterback will, will drop back and he'll throw a ball, and most of the time, you would think that he's throwing the ball to the receiver, but there are certain plays where he actually doesn't throw the ball to the receiver. He will actually throw the ball to a place, a position on the field, and it's the receiver's job to get into that position so that they can catch the ball. And sometimes there'll be an interception or an incompletion or something, and it looks like the, the, looks like the quarterback was throwing it to the wrong thing or the wrong spot, but it wasn't the quarterback's fault. It was because the receiver didn't get himself in position to be able to receive the ball. You understand where I'm going with this? And here's the deal. God is constantly tossing blessings out. He wants to toss blessings out into your life. But in order for you to receive those blessings, you've got to get yourself in position on the field. You've got to get underneath the blessings of God. It's not that God's not blessing. It's that I was in the wrong position. Let's think about it like this. This morning, when you got up, maybe last night before you went to bed, you went in the bathroom and you turned on the water in the shower because you had to have your weekly shower before Sunday morning, right? And so what happened? You turn on the shower and water comes out of the spout, right? And the water is coming out, but you don't get wet unless you get down underneath the water, right? And here's the thing. God is blessing, but you're not going to receive it until you get yourself in a a blessable and a receivable position. You say, Pastor, I want that. How do I do that? Well, the scripture teaches us how to do that by tithing. When we tithe, we actually set ourselves up in a place to be able to receive the blessings of God. This is what Malachi, uh, Malachi 3, verse 8, 9, and 10 is talking about. It says, we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the Lord says, test me on this. And then look what he says. He says, see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings upon you so much that you don't have room enough to receive it. God says, I want to open up my windows of heaven and bless you, I want to pour out the blessing, but here's how you get in the place to be able to receive the blessing. You get in the place to be able to receive the blessing by honoring me with your tithe and with your offering. And when you do that, you actually set yourself up for blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? Now we have to understand this. We don't give just so that we can be blessed. In fact we said that last week I I had that awesome line you remember the line we don't get we don't give to get we get to give right it's a privilege and we don't do it because we're trying to get something right in fact some pastors will you know some people will preach out there you know hey you just you send in your money and God will bless you and you'll get a Rolex and you'll drive around in a Mercedes and a BMW you just name it claim it blab it grab it you say it and it's yours and that's not what we're talking about all right that's not what we're all about here at LifeGate. I don't believe we give so that we can be blessed, but I do believe that there's a principle in the word of God that's called the principle of sowing and reaping. That when we sow, the Bible tells us that, hey, God's not gonna be mocked. In, Gal- in Galatians chapter, chapter five or chapter six, it says, hey, God, God's not gonna be mocked. Here's what it says. A man reaps what he sows. And so if you wanna reap harvest in your life, Harvest of God's blessing, if you want to reap financial harvest, guess what? You've got to plant those seeds. And you don't don't reap the harvest unless you plant the seeds. And so when we are tithing, here's what we're doing. We're investing into the kingdom of God and we're setting ourselves up to be able to receive the harvest of blessing that God wants to have and bring in our lives. So here's why we tithe. We tithe because it proves that God's number one. We set aside this first 10% because it causes us to have to grow in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. We tithe because it puts us in a position to be able to actually receive the blessings of God on our lives. Number four, check this one out. And this is, I think, maybe the most important one of all is this, is that here's the reason we tithe. We tithe because tithing helps to meet the needs of others through the local church. Look what it says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number number 8. Again, look what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be what? That there may be food in my house. What's this talking about? It's talking about the reason that we tithe and the reason we bring the tithe to the local church is because this is a place where people are spiritually fed. And so when we bring our tithe to the local church, here's what happens. It causes the ministry of the local church to be able to happen. It causes families to be able to re- be restored, lives to be able to be changed, communities to be able to be transformed, missionaries to be able to be sent out all around the world, the world to be changed through the local body of Christ. We bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there can be the food, the meat, the bread of life, the word of God can be delivered to the body Of Christ, and lives can be changed, the world can be changed. So, when we give, we're actually tithing, we're actually giving in a systematic way so that we are actually making a difference in the lives of others. In fact, this is the reason that we are blessed. We're not blessed just so that we can hoard it all for ourselves so that we can have it all and so that we can have a nicer house or a better car or wear nicer clothes. And nothing wrong with all those. If you have those, praise God for that. But God didn't bless you just so that you can have that. God actually blessed you so that in turn you can be a blessing to others and make a difference. In fact, this is what God told Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm gonna make you great, and I'm gonna make your name great, and you're going to become a great nation. But here's why I'm gonna bless you so that in turn you can be a blessing to others. And here's the deal when we give, you know what? When we tithe, when you tithe, it's not about money. You know what it's about? It's about mission, it's about ministry, it's about the mission of the local church, it's about the ministry of the local church. And guess what? I, I hate to break it to you, but ministry and mission, it costs money. And so money affects our ability to be able to accomplish the mission and do the ministry. And so when we tithe and when we give, we are actually able to be a part of making sure that the ministry and the mission takes place in the local church and around the world. And then we get to be a part of seeing lives change. And there's nothing greater than that. So some of you go, okay... Sounds good, Pastor. Like, you almost had me convinced, but I, I don't really know, like, how do I do it? How do I, how do I strategically begin to be generous? Well, just two things. Number one, write this down. Just start with the tithe. Just start right there. Some of you even today, you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to take that tithe challenge, that thing they talk about every single week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And here's the cool thing. You ain't got nothing to lose. You try it, three months later, if you don't see that you're growing in your love for God and he's becoming a greater priority in your life, if you don't see that your faith is growing, if you don't see that God is blessing in areas of your finances as you're sowing seed, if you don't see that lives are being changed through what you are giving, then we'll give you your money back. You ain't got nothing to lose. Some of you are even like, hey, I don't know if I can do that whole tithe thing. Well, here's what I would challenge you to do. Maybe you're not ready for 10% yet, but pick a percent. Maybe it's 2% or 5% or 7%, but strategically, strategically, Set a plan for how you can be generous in your life. And you can start at 2% or ten or 7% or 8% and work your way up finally to 10%. But somehow decide that, hey, I'm going I'm to plan this into my life and into my, into my budget. Because generous is the kind of person that I'm going to be. So I'm not going to just give spontaneously or kind of sporadically. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to systematically set up a way for me to learn to grow in generosity. I'm going to start with a the tithe. Then number two, write this down. I'm going to gradually increase my level of giving a little bit at a time. Some of you are already tithing. Some of you are already there. You know, it might be time that God would just pull on your heart just a little bit to say, maybe I need to systematically set up a way that I can do just a little bit more. Maybe it's, hey, at this point, we're going to start doing 11%. We're going to set that aside or 12%, 13 14 15%. Let me tell you my story, and I, I don't say this story to brag. Please don't. Please hear my heart and don't think that. But let me just tell you, when Amber and I first got married, we, we set aside the first 10% of our income. I'd been doing that since I was a little kid. And we decided we're going to put God first, and we're going to systematically set up a way that we can be generous. But a couple of years into our marriage, we decided, you know what? God has blessed us with so much. How could we be more generous? How could we do more? And so we decided we're going to bump it up from 10% to 11%. And so we started doing that for a little while. Then a little bit later, a couple years later, we said, well, you know what? We did 11%. We don't even even seem to miss it. And yet God is blessing us even more and we're able to do even more. What if we did 12% this year? We did 12%. What if we did 13%? A couple of years ago, I did a message series on this, and God started dealing with my heart, and I said, man, we've been at, we've been at 12% for a long time. I don't think we need to go to 13% or 14%. We bumped it up to 15%. My wife is like, what? <laughs> we did, we did. And you know what? We had missed it. God has blessed us this last year, we decided, Hey, we've been at 15% for a little bit. We're going to go to 16%. And so now out of what I make as a pastor, 16% of that, I give it, I give it to the Lord and to the house of the Lord and to the work of the ministry. Why? Cause I've just decided, man, I'm going to, I'm going to create a strategic plan so that I can be generous. And here's what happens. Then when an opportunity comes to give and I want to give spontaneously and I look and go, I don't have any money to give. No, I look at my other 6% that I have over here and I'm able to go, Hey, there's a need. Let me do something. Then I'm even able to plan to do stuff bigger than I ever could have done before. In fact, this year we decided, man, God put in our heart this, this whole thing with fire Bible. And we've been doing it for several years and God just put this man deep in my heart. Let's do something big for fire Bible. So this year out of that 6%, that extra 6%, we decided we're going to start saving up a little bit every month. And this year, our plan is to give $6,000 us personally to fire Bible. I'm not saying that scene go, wow, look what they did. Or, I could never do that or whatever. No, I'm saying this cuz you could do it too. The only way we were able to do that is because we made a stra- we had a strategy for being more generous. And you don't just jump to 16%. Maybe it's 10 and a half%. Maybe it's 11%. And some of you even here today, I'll just tell you this, Some of you, God has called us all to be generous. Some of you, though, this is resonating with your heart because you actually have what is called in the scripture the gift of generosity. It's a spiritual gift, actually. The gift of giving, the gift of being generous. Some of you say, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. That's why we do Life Track. You need to get in Life Track. We actually do a Life Track. We In Life Track in week three, we do a spiritual gift test. Some of you are going to find out, hey, that's my gifting. And you're going to be able to lean into it and use it. But all of us are called to be generous and to be growing in our generosity. In fact, I heard about one pastor, and man, I hope that one day I can do what this pastor has done. This pastor decided to just gradually keep increasing and increasing. And his goal was one day, he called it to be a reverse tither. He said, I want to I give 90% and I want to live off of 10% and he reached that goal. You go, how in the world could somebody reach, live off 10%? They must make a whole lot. Yeah, they did. You know why? Because God blessed them. Their ministry was blessed and it grew. This particular guy, a guy named Rick Warren, he wrote a little book called The Purpose Driven Life. You ever heard of that before? And he lives off of 10% and gives 90%. Because he strategically created a way to be generous. and Some of you, maybe maybe that would resonate. I know some of you are going, oh, man, I'm ready for this giving series to be over. But some of you, man, God is dealing with your heart right now. And he's saying, how could you strategically set up a plan to be generous so that when the time comes, hey, first of all, I'm going to tithe. I give that to the house of God, and that's where it belongs. But maybe I could do even more if I would make it not not, I'm going to give spontaneously, or sporadically, or sparingly, but I'm gonna give strategically and systematically and see what God will do as my heart grows in generosity.